How's everybody doing this morning? Hopefully you're doing just fine and dandy. It's rainy out there this morning, and uh, of course, might not be rainy where you are, but I am in Belmont, Maine, and it's rainy here today. So, hey, we'll take it, whatever it is. We're in the book of 2 Peter. We're in the second chapter, just beginning the second chapter. Uh, this, this may take some time to work through. Uh, while many of the previous broadcasts have been extremely inspirational just because of the subject matter, uh, we're getting into, into a chapter here that, that may be a little bit harder. Uh, it is a little bit more theologically challenging to explain. Uh, and also, it's a little bit more challenging in, in what Peter pushes up against. And uh, I'm just 
prefacing this broadcast because there are things that uh, may make us uncomfortable, uh, but uh, we have to deal with Scripture as Scripture is. That's what it means to follow Christ. So uh, anyway, we're... Um, we're going to get uh, right into it here. Second Peter chapter 2 says, There were also false prophets. Now, why does he say also false prophets? He's saying also because um, he has just completed chapter 1, and in chapter 1 he was talking about the righteous prophets, the prophets of God. But while there were prophets of God, there were also false prophets. And so this is what he begins to address here in this second chapter. And even as there are good prophets in our day, there are false prophets. And, and let's just substitute the word prophet for teacher um, or teacher for prophet in that direction uh, so that uh, we have um, an understanding because we might get tripped up over the word prophet. Let's just simplify it. We're talking about teachers, speakers, evangelists, radio evangelists, TV evangelists, Facebook evangelists, uh, or um, or those who don't do any of those things but but are prof, uh, are prophets nonetheless. So let's get in and see what he says here. There were also false prophets among the people. Now he's referring back to the Old Testament time. Just as there will be false teachers among you. See, he even makes the interchange here from prophet to teacher. He says, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Now, I just want to say this. Just because they're false prophets... Some don't even know they're false prophets. Some teach heresy and don't even know they're teaching heresy. Um, just be, just because they're they're false prophet doesn't necessarily mean that that they know what they're doing. They've been uh, indoctrinated with the doctrine of demons. That's what Paul would call it later on in one of his letters to the pastors, Timothy or Titus. Will call it the doctrine of demons, and. Uh, they may not be aware. They may have been brought up in a certain school of thought. They might have been brought up in a certain school, uh, and I say school, type of theological setting in, in a particular church or brand of church uh, that they were involved with. And so they may not even understand that it is heresy. Now, there are people out there, there are preachers who have garnered large followings because they are sniffing out every little thing that even looks like it might be a false doctrine and exposing it and talking about it and running roughshod, and sometimes rightfully so, uh, over those who say wrong things. Uh, a few examples. Uh, Paul Washer would be an example. Uh, perhaps none of you know who he is, but he's a guy that will frequently speak out about things he sees, problems, weaknesses in contemporary church life. Uh, particularly as relates to heresy and to doctrine, false teaching, and so on. Vody Bakum. Now, these are men that I have respect for. Uh, Vody Bakum, in his in his own developed theology, is one that also frequently will sniff out things that he will he will say this is false. Now, sometimes I think 
they go farther than they need to. Uh, John MacArthur, though he was best known in his early days for his Bible teaching, I, I think in these current days is, is has just as much following because of how sometimes bombastically uh, direct he can be at calling out to people, even like Tony Evans, um, who who a lot of us respect, uh, or calling out even people that he maintained friendship with over the years, like R.C. Sproul, who's now uh, with the Lord. Um, but we need to be aware. There are significant uh, modern-day heresies that we need to be aware of uh, and not get pulled into. Now, Peter continues with what he says, and he says, Many follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. Uh, in their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. Uh, let me just keep going here, then we'll come back and make some commentary. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made, in, made them an example of what was going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard much of which would look like modern-day America, friends, just uh, making reference to that. Verse 9, If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the sinful nature and despise authority. Bold and arrogant, these men are not afraid to slander celestial beings, that's the angels or the demons. It says, yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not bring slanderous accusations against such be beings in the presence of the Lord. Now you're talking about the wrestling of the righteous angels and the wicked angels. It says, these men blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They are like brute beasts, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed. And like beasts, they too will be, they will perish. They'll be paid back with harm for the harm they've done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. And not just seduce, we're not just talking, this is, isn't just sexual seduction. This can be financial seduction. Because it says they are, verse 14 says they're expert in greed and a cursed brood. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Beor, who prophesied for profit. They loved the wages of wickedness. It says, but he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, a beast without speech. Uh, who spoke with a man's voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These men are springs without water, mist driven by a storm, blackest darkness reserved for them. For they mouth empty, boastful words by appealing to the lustful desires of the sinful human nature. 
entice people who are just escaping from those who live in air. They promise freedom, and I would say they promise freedom and riches, while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. It says that they've escaped the, the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and overcome. They are worse off at the end than at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it than to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed to them. Uh, of them, the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit and a sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. That's the passage. Now, let, let's come back and just talk about, he's talking about false teachers. And we we have false teachers. And again, some people do not know. Some, some are pawns in the hands of our arch enemy, the devil. Some have been deceived. Some have been deluded. Uh, let me share with you an example, a personal example. Uh, several years ago when I was a young Christian, uh, one of the Sunday morning broadcasts that was uh, uh, on the television that I would watch on Sunday mornings, I would watch Jerry Falwell in the old-time gospel hour. Um, then there was Jimmy Swaggart and his, I don't remember what it was called, uh, but it was like camp meeting or something like that. Uh, and there was uh, Kenneth Copeland. Now, you know, Jerry Falwell, uh, he, he may have erred on the side of, of too much politics and, and too much salesmanship of uh, Liberty Baptist College in those days on television. Uh, yet, I mean, we know that spawned the world's largest Christian university, Liberty University. In the middle of that, we had uh, Jimmy Swaggart, who taught Bible and who was... Uh, open and uh, who was tearful and was very, very engaged in uh, uh, the, the music aspect of things. And then there was Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth and Gloria Copeland. And I, I don't remember what their program was either. Um, but I, I ordered a set of cassette tapes. Remember those things? They were little small things about uh, four inches long and a couple inches high and about, oh, half inch three-eighths of an, to half-inch thick. Remember those things, uh, cassette tapes? I order a, an order of cassette tapes from uh, Kenneth Copeland, and as I listened to them, it seemed like he kept straying off the text and going into word of faith, word of faith. you got to have faith. If you have faith, God's going to do all these things. They talked about seeds, sowing seeds and sowing, and, and, and there's certainly biblical truth to that. Um but that was the steady diet. That was all of it. And I, in my in my being, in my, my physical self, I was feeling nauseous that, that day. I was driving a truck. I think that was post-high school. I was driving a, a truck from our one of our cornfields that was a few towns away back to, uh, uh, back to our farm. And the more I listened, the sicker I felt. Um. Uh, Eventually, I, I just said, Lord, help me feel better. And he said, turn off. This was in my spirit, in my heart. I heard this, turn off that tape. Almost instantaneously, I felt better because I wasn't listening to truth. Partial truth isn't truth. 
Uh, inflated truth isn't truth. You have to take the truth as the truth is. Uh, friends, I'm going to step away from the mic uh, and the camera for just a moment here. Just give me just a moment. Okay, I'm back with you, and uh, turned on a fan. I was getting strangely warm here uh, talking about this. Now, I'm not necessarily trying to, I'm not trying to run down Kenneth Copeland. Uh, however, uh, I, I believe he was a f false prophet, and uh, there are others in modern day I could point to, and uh, I'm not going to do that. What I do want to do is go over and consider some of the modern-day heresies that we need to be careful of. Now, here's a few things. Uh, if, they keep, if they keep straying away from God's Word, now here's what I mean. They will hold up their Bibles. They will talk about their Bibles. But when they don't take you to the Bible, explain what the verses mean, and when they only go to certain verses and not all the verses, that, that's a sign of something to watch out for. In my teaching, as you've experienced, we, we go through all the verses. We don't ignore, we don't skip over, and uh, we, we don't uh, keep going back to word of faith uh, in every single passage that we consider. Uh, not at all. Uh, we talk about what the text says, and when you have a teacher or a preacher who keeps going away from the text into a particular genre, like I've talked about, frequent almost nonstop or constant use of uh, you know, sowing types of language or language about uh, word of faith or faith, a yellow flag ought to go up. Now, I know we have listeners, dear friends, who are, might be listening to me right now, who, who this might be concerning to them. But friends, this is the truth. And I, I cannot uh, shy away from it. And... Uh, uh, that's something to be aware of. Something else to be aware of uh, is, is how preachers use the Word of God. Uh, if something that someone has said has greater weight than the Word of God, be careful. Uh, if a person is uh, all the time talking about what they think or dreams they've had or visions that they've had as a preacher or as a teacher and not going to the Word of God, be careful. Um, there, there's danger there, and we need to be based on the Word of God. Now, I want to share with you some of the current contemporary uh, modern-day prophecies, not prophecies, um, heresies that are common in today's world. Here's one. Uh, one is that Jesus was just a good guy. I mean, that that is... Uh, that is a modern day, and, and people talk about the good guy upstairs, the big man upstairs. That you know, I I would encourage us to push back on language, especially among people who claim to be brothers and sisters in Christ, and say, you know, that that just isn't that isn't good language. Uh, he's not just the big guy upstairs. I mean, we're talking about the living God, and, and God is not a guy. Uh, God is God. Uh, now, Jesus, yes, he he's man. But he was God uh, prior to taking on human flesh. 
Uh, so he's God, and he needs to be reverent. So this this notion that that Jesus is just a good guy, you know, uh, the idea is that Jesus was a good guy, a wise teacher, a loving spiritual person, a good example, you know, maybe a divinely inspired prophet, um, a good example, things of that nature. But when when they don't talk about him being God or the Son of God, God the Son. The second person of the Trinity, it, it paints a picture that Jesus is something less than what he is. Here's another one. Don't take the Bible too seriously or too literally. Uh, this is another one that people will talk about. Uh, you know, you you Bible people, you you get too wrapped up in it. Uh, the idea is the Bible is, is a good book. It can be helpful, has good principles, but it's not to be taken literally or seriously. Uh, there are many in our day who believe that while the Bible might be inspired by God on some level, there are errors, corruptions, myths. Uh, many believe the Bible is written to, in, to a certain time, to a certain culture, and therefore is not relevant for our world today. Uh, and they would say, well, it's good to study the Bible for some general principles or, or as a literature or as inspirational uh, literature. You know, we don't need to be careful to take it seriously in our day. Uh, we don't believe that. We believe the Bible today is an accurate record of what was written centuries ago and has proven not to have any meaningful errors. Now, yes, there are discrepancies of translation. I'm not going to say there's not. There are, because translation is, is much more difficult and challenging than what we realize. And while it's important that we interpret the Bible correctly so as not to apply things in the way they weren't intended to be applied, we, we, we take into account cultural nuances, the genre, types of uh, literature and whatnot in the Bible, but it speaks relevantly still to our world today. We believe it is our guide for faith and for practice. Here's another uh, modern-day heresy. Because God is good he will be good with everyone in the end. In other words, because God is good, he'll be he'll be loving, and, and no one will perish. I, I just can't imagine a God that will let anyone perish. I got in a conversation with, with a dear friend many, many years ago about this, even the idea of election. He said, my God will not elect people uh, because, you know, he's going to give everybody a chance, and... Uh, I, I, I said, well, you know, you're bordering on everybody's going to be saved, what's called universalism. There are people who just believe if God is good, you know, we sing good, good father and songs like that, that, that no one will perish. But friends, that is not the clear teaching of Scripture. Even what we've looked at today here in Second Peter, uh, it, it tells us that the judgment came, and, and there are a lot of ifs that were a part of this passage. Uh, good people go to heaven. Now, this is another one that, that that's a challenging one, and, and I'm gonna. There will be several we'll consider this morning. Good people go to heaven. No, saved people go to heaven. How are we saved? Uh, listen, we we can't be good enough to get into heaven, nor can we be bad enough to be kept from heaven. The key to heaven is faith in Jesus Christ. Period. And. Uh, uh, if we have legitimate faith, where we've entrusted our eternal salvation to Jesus Christ, if we want to be followers of Christ, then we can be assured of our salvation. That's it, period. 
You know, and someone said, well, so you're telling me someone like Jeffrey Dahmer, who killed a bunch of people, um, who, uh, while he was in jail, gave his life to Christ, is going to make it into heaven while my sweet grandmother Matilda, who, who was always nice to everybody and made cookies for everybody, she's not going to make it because she didn't trust Christ. That's what the Bible says. And uh, it's hard to swallow, but that's the truth of Scripture, friends. And we need to understand that reality. Uh, here's, here's another one. Let me uh, take us to another one. Uh, Christians will be healthy and wealthy. Well, tell that to my friends in other places of the world. Uh, tell that to my friends in, in South Sudan. Tell that to my friends in Kenya. Tell that to my friends in India. Uh, th this is a Western teacher teaching. This is a Western uh, heretical teaching that if you're a Christian, you're going to be wealthy in this age. Um, I mean, even uh, th there's teaching that there were people, even like the Apostle Paul, who suffered with some type of infirmity. He addresses this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It's believed that, that the Apostle James had a, a, an infirmity that wasn't immediately cured or may have never been cured. Uh, it's believed the Apostle Paul had eyesight trouble. Well, if, if the teaching that everybody's going to be healthy is true, uh, or God's going to protect everybody and protect everybody from martyrdom. Why was Peter killed? Why was uh, James killed? Why was um, why was Paul killed? Why was the Apostle John boiled in oil and, and put, sent out to the island of Patmos? Uh, you know, again, this is a false teaching. It's called the prosperity gospel, um, and, and you know, I have dear friends that have bought into this, uh, and, and let me just. A little bit more. I mean, it teaches that if you're really living for God the way he wants, you're going to be physically healthy and financially prosperous. Many people believe that health and wealth are God's way of rewarding those who are faithful in this life. And conversely, sickness and poverty are punishments for those who lack faith or are living with sinful behaviors. The idea sets up the expectation that good Christians will be spared the difficulties of this life, while weaker Christians will be forced to endure hardships. But the Bible never promises a life of ease and fortune to those who are faithful and a life of difficulty and pain to those who are unfaithful. Paul had difficulty. Paul had pain. Uh, Peter struggled. Peter suffered. Uh, God also sometimes blesses people with challenges. Sometimes our challenges are a blessing. Sometimes suffering becomes a blessing. Sometimes hard times are used as a mean to help us grow into maturity. You know, yet the other thing is true, and, and uh, David would talk about this in Psalm 37, sometimes it seems like the evil people have everything in the world while the righteous people suffer hardship. So those are just a few of the uh, modern-day heresies of which we need to be aware. Um, those are... There are others that have big words I could look at. Uh, here's another one. Humans aren't sinful by nature. Uh, you know, humans are basically good people. Um, th that is one. 57% agree to the statement that uh, everyone sins a little, but most people are generally good by nature. 
Now, this, this is a survey of evangelicals. In other words, humans might be capable of committing individual sins, but we do not have sinful desires. And yes, we do. Another would say the Holy Spirit's not a personal being. Um, I think the scripture is pretty clear on that. And I think there's heresy about the Holy Spirit on either side. Leaving the Holy Spirit, I, I know Christians who leave the Holy Spirit out of the Christian equation uh, as a reaction, as a response to those that have gone too far with the Holy Spirit. Both are, are an heir. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is a figure, a part of the Godhead. He is spirit. Uh, I think the New Testament makes that amply clear, uh, and yet um, we, we can also hinge so much on the work of the Holy Spirit that we begin to diminish the work of Jesus himself. The role of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus, whose role is to glorify the Father, and together they're glorified as the Godhead. Uh, another one, Jesus is not God. Uh, Jesus was created by God. Uh, and also, Jesus isn't the only way to God. Some will suggest, well, you know, if you're living a good religious life, friends, that is error. That is heresy. Jesus himself in John 14, 6 said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, our half hour is gone already. You can wrestle through. We'll come back to Second to Second Peter tomorrow. Work our way through this 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 entirety of Second uh, Peter. These twenty two verses, because there's other things to come back and look at. But the warning: beware of false teachers. We 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 need to be. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Not not what does somebody say? Not what does. Uh, uh, Kenneth Higgins say, or not what does Kenneth Copeland say, or not on the other side, not what does John MacArthur or Vody Bauckham say, what's the Bible say? We need to come back to that and allow the Bible to be our guide, our rule for belief, for faith, for practice, and all these things. Well, friends, it's the end of the half hour. I'm going to get you into your day. Uh, be a person of the Word today. Dig into the Word. Trust the Word. Follow the word. Beware of false teachers. Live in the truth, as Walter said. Lord, help us toward that end to live in your truth today that we might glorify you in all we think, say, and do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. See you tomorrow. No, see you Monday.